I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. No one wants to wait and wait and wait for that perfect phone. Thankfully, the Tesco Mobile Black Friday event has started already. You can find loads of brilliant phone and SIM deals with low monthly prices and big savings, including time-limited weekly deals. Tesco Mobile's best-ever Black Friday event is on. Go in-store or search Tesco Mobile. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. Best-ever Black Friday based on range of products and length of promotional period. See tescomobile.com slash terms. Welcome to this week's last word on Spurs, where we'll be discussing the 1-1 draw against Everton in a game which looked like Spurs were about to finally secure their first Premier League win away of the season, only for it to be snatched away at the very death in injury time. We'll be discussing all of the VAR drama during that game. I'm delighted to have back alongside me as usual, John Mannings. Joining myself and John, we're pleased to also have back on the show one of 
our very own in Anna from Spurs XY, who is last word on Spurs' women's creator. So delighted to have her back on the show. And also, we've got the brilliant Dan from Yidvids. We just want to say, guys, as you normally should be aware, we want to make the shows as positive as we can. But due to the results at the moment, I think it's very hard to try and find many positives. But we just want to thank you again for all your tremendous support this season. If you do enjoy the last word on Spurs, we would urge you and we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. You can do that by simply going to the iTunes app on your podcast device and by literally creating and leaving us a review. Thank you as always again for your support and enjoy the show. I've promised the guys on this show that we're going to go for an hour because we cannot afford the prescriptions in advance of what could be coming. Delighted to have back alongside me, John Mannings. John, you WhatsApped me five minutes after the show and you said to me, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> uh, I'll do my best to get through it with you, mate. I didn't want to leave you guys to suffer alone. I thought we'd come and have a bit of... I know I keep saying this every week, but this actually is group therapy now, isn't it? Oh, it is. 100%. 100%. Just without any kind of confidence, it's going to get better, John. That's the only worry. <laughs> that is that. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? Because we're going from week to week now going, oh, we'll, we'll win the next game, we'll win the next game. And then, we, obviously, we had a brief respite in the Champions League with a Red Star game. But, yeah, it's... Uh, Another another Premier League game, away game without a win. So really worrying times coming from. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're delighted to have two returning guests back on our show. One of them regular now. We're delighted to say. First up, Anna from Spurs XY, our regular content creator for our Spurs women's. Anna, thank you for coming on the show. One of our own now. Anna, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me back on the live show. Um, it's nice to be tuning in. I wish it was a little bit under better circumstances, but hey, it's not a loss. So don't we <laughs> all? Worse. Oh, don't we all? Well, listen, there's fireworks off in the background here, and just to just to confirm, that is not any fireworks celebrating the result. That is, of course, as we're approaching, <laughs> yeah, bonfire night. So just bear in mind, we're not got fireworks out to celebrate that horrendous display against Everton. Please to also give a welcome back onto the show, Dan from Yidvids, one of our favourite guests, Dan. Sorry we haven't got you back in better circumstances. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I was feeling a bit better three hours ago, but um, another week of sporting Tottenham Hotspur, really, isn't it, in, in 2019? Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, Dad, you know, I'm going to stick with you and let's just go straight into that game against Everton. I mean, I'll be honest, I never thought it would come to a point for me where I would lose our total identity under this current manager, Maurizio Pochettino. You know, Dan, we used to be renowned under him for a team that played a high press, would fight for every ball, would leave absolutely everything on that pitch. And at the moment, it just doesn't seem the same Spurs team anymore, Dan. Um, am I overreacting or is that how you're seeing it as well at the moment? No, you're definitely not overreacting. I think it, it would be easy to say that um, the players aren't playing for him. And I've heard people saying it for a couple of weeks since the Watford game where we uh, drew one or, But... It's starting to get to me now that the performances are so, uh, the good performances, sorry, are so far and in between, uh, far and far between, that this is this is the norm now. For the last, oh, I don't know, maybe six weeks, um, you could even go back to as far as January away from home. We've just been slow, sloppy, not a lot of pressing, and not a lot of quality in the final third as well. I mean, there's plenty of times today, especially that in the first half, that Ericsson and Ali got into pretty decent positions just outside the box and just the ball just was awful just was not finding the targets trying things that just were never going to come off and you sort of end up watching it I was watching it at home today I was watching it and I didn't really get up off my, off my seat once it just you never felt like we were really sort of at it I mean Anna coming round to you that performance itself I'm gonna be honest it, it was slow insipid 
and I don't even want to use this word, but it is, it was boring. And I haven't ever really referred to a performance under Maurizio's reign like that. And it was kind of a throwback to the latter games of AVB before he went. I mean, what do you put these performances down to? Is it the players he's selecting? I mean, what can you tell us? What, what do you think what we're seeing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, just to touch on Dan's point, forget about getting off uh, getting off the sofa. I almost fell asleep at halftime. It was that boring. <laughs> and I used the term boring as well earlier. I was tweeting about it. I was telling my dad as well. And I told him the same thing, as you just mentioned with AVB. This is looking a lot like pre-Poch. And it's so weird. It is a, a bit of the team selection. Obviously, I'm so shocked that Ericsson starts. And if he's starting and he's playing so badly, I don't understand how he gets 102 minutes on the pitch. Get him off, get Lo on, gets anyone else on. We were really missing Lamella today, unfortunately. But, I mean, it's one thing to put out the team you put out. But then make the correct substitutions in time. Like, that's the other thing that really baffles me. I don't understand why he doesn't make subs in time, or the right ones as well. So, it's a mixture of putting out the team. I mean, it wasn't a bad team to put out with. It's just, there's a... As Dan pointed out, the top three or the top four, they couldn't really get the ball. They, they never really got to them, and they didn't have enough... Um, feed, they, no one was feeding them and it was just like you've got your back four you've got some people in the middle a gap and then a couple players up front and there's just no connection like the team is just not working together apart from that Red Star game which uh, was feels like a fluke now where we actually played lovely flowing football and we played as a team I haven't seen that in so long and it's just it's slow it's boring it, there's no idea, no creativity. Um, and, and Dombele looked good when he played, so that's hopeful. And Lo Celso, maybe if he gets more minutes, Sessegnon came on for a brief breath of, what, 60 seconds. Maybe that's what we need to focus on. Maybe the more we get the fresh players in, the, the ones who are eager and just played, and leave the players who've been at the club for too long, um, want to get out, let's just let them stay out then. Don't play them. That would mm. be my way forward. I can see where you're coming from. And, John, if you've noticed, I've tried to give you five, six minutes into the show just to let you gather your thoughts before you make your first statement. <laughs> because I just wonder, John, you know, for me, serious questions, they have to be asked when you keep selecting the same players which are letting you down week after week. I mean, for me, Orion Eriksson shouldn't be anywhere near this current squad. And I know Oria had a fairly decent game against Everton and you could argue I spoke to Dan actually off here before that probably that's because he wasn't really tested and then you're looking at the midfield selection John Undenbele started alongside Ericsson but then Ericsson it ends up finishing the game over Tungi Undenbele that's our summer signing who comes off the pitch Christian Ericsson is still on it despite openly admitting he wants to leave the club. I mean, you could argue it's fitness levels and it's a good chance probably Undenbele will start against Red Star Belgrade and maybe Ericsson won't. But can you understand, John, for you, the manager's selections and his overall tactical decisions at the moment and the style of play, John? I mean, that game itself, as I said, it wasn't often in his reign, this six-year period where you can really say it's been insipid, it's been boring or tiresome. But that game, John, it was pre-Proch. And as we've said, a throwback to the AVB era. Yeah, it was. I think the only thing I can think of is he's trying to put these new players in when the when the pressure's not as massive as it is at the moment. I, I, I think if we'd have won, say we started the season with three or four really good results on the bounce, then we would have seen them earlier, perhaps. You know, fitness, uh, if they could prove their fitness, of course. But 
the trouble you got now is you got a bunch of players who are causing this massive deep hole that we're struggling to get out of. And then maybe he's not putting the new players in because they're because we all expect and we want them to be the saviors of our season. And maybe Pochettino knows that that's not going to happen. I don't know. I think. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I know. I'm talking absolute crap now, but I don't know what else to say. I can't. I can't think of any other logical reason, other than the fact that if we're playing well, then you can take out Ericsson and players like that and start planning for for next season, whilst not worrying about the fact that we're ten points off fourth already. Do you know what I mean? If we were if we were playing well week in week out, then these the integration would be a lot easier for for the new signings. And obviously, so far, all right, we have seen Lascelles so. I don't know what he's played about an hour probably combined so far this season, which is not enough, obviously. But injury, you have to take injury into account on that one. But other than and, and Don Ballet, who's impressed me on the on the whole, I'd say he's had some. When we played Olympiacos away, he looked heavy, he looked lethargic, but he's looked a lot better since then. But yeah, I just think it's about the amount of pressure that's going to be on the players who are coming in to replace the underperforming ones. And I know that doesn't help us, and it doesn't help our points tally. But I just think we leave and told Pochettino, look, I know I muffed up for you in the summer. I'm going to give you this season regardless of what happens because, I, I, I mean, I personally think that's what's going to happen. I think he's been given a bit of a free hit because Daniel Levy knows he didn't back him in the way he should have done. And obviously, these performances are just reflecting that. We wanted, well, he wanted, Pochettino wanted, you know, this painful rebuild to have been well underway by now. And unfortunately, we've only just scratched the surface. Because none of the players who, who come in in the summer take out Andombele actually because he does improve the first eleven, but we don't know if the Celso does. We don't know if Cessignon does really. Jack Clark's not even getting a game for Leeds in the Championship, so I don't know what's going on there either. Maybe it's the chairman, maybe it's the scouting, maybe maybe we're so used to being good that this is you know it's a bit. I know we've said this before, but it feels like we've gone backwards so so far, and we are now we are now a mid-table team again. But it's happened overnight and it's happened on the back of a Champions League final, which is why it's so difficult to process. If we'd have had if that if that didn't happen last year, I just I can't help but thinking the worst thing that could have happened to Pochettino is that we got through Man City and we got through Ajax last season. Because I just think the amount of pressure on him might be lessened if we didn't get to Madrid on June the first. If that didn't happen, maybe we all feel different about it because we get that's all it is at the minute. Oh, Champions League runners up and now you're 11th in the league, etc. Maybe he, he has overperformed. We all know that. With the, with the amount of money he's been given to spend and the squad he's had at his disposal, he's overperformed. But maybe this is what an, an ordinary manager, which he seems to be at the moment, would get out of these players. And maybe we are an ordinary team. I can't see where it's going to turn around. Maybe this is it. Maybe this season, this is what we're going to have to put up with. We won't be in Europe next season. And so that gives us a a real fresh crack at the league and doing something special in the league. Maybe, you know, we've got to set our sights that far in front and hope that that's what will happen because this season seems to be a bit of a write-off already, I'm afraid. Dan, coming over to you, there is serious questions now about the manager. I mean, it's zero wins from 12 away games, six wins from 23 league games, 23 defeats from 45 games, bottom half of the table, 10 points from the top four, five points from the bottom three, you know, seriously, six wins from 24 league games, Dan. I mean, where are you on the manager at the moment? Um, oh, I think I think he's still, uh, like John said, I, I think I think Levy thinks that he can have a free season. And I don't think, unless there's any chance of getting relegated, I don't think he'd bite the bullet on him. Um, you don't and I think, think he'll go then, Dan? So you think not even no. the fact that Champions League football might be at risk and that stadium, we know the implications if, in terms of the finance of that stadium. You don't think that will... 
maybe make the board question if he's the right man here. If Pochettino still wants the job, if Darren Danilo says to him, do you still want to be here? And Pochettino says, yes, this is my project, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he sacks him, no, because I think he's got enough. He's got enough money in the bank, um, credit in the bank, sorry, um, to stay. And I, I just, I just can't see it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't see it. I mean, this season and the back end of last season, I think, have been coming for a couple of years now. Um, the first season at Wembley, when a lot of the fans were pretty angry, and that was when you first, at the end of Wembley, when it was just about to come to White Lane and, and the new White Lane, sorry. And what Alain was being delayed, you could see that was the first signs of cracking in Pochettino's sort of attitude, maybe, and uh, generally what he was saying. He become, kind of became quite grumpy. And since then, it has just snowballed into this. And I think whilst he's making a lot of mistakes now, I think a lot of our problems are backdated from the last two years of the lack of signings a couple of years ago. And then this summer wasn't the best. I don't know about if it wasn't the best. I saw a tweet somewhere that before the window opened, that his four targets were the four players we signed. So I think that's pretty decent because more often than not, whenever he had targets, we wouldn't have signed them. But I do agree that the past two seasons of not signing players or pretty much only bringing Lucas in did not help. And that's also showing now a lot. And I agree. I think the Wembley frustrations definitely bring in as well. I think I think you're right actually. That with that that tweet about the four signings, which is great, and I think he got some of the players in that he wanted. But I think it was, I think what we're seeing now is that he didn't want a lot of the players that I think are in the squad now. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. <clears throat> Anna, I mean, just on the manager itself, this is Spurs' longest run without an away win since a club record 14 games under former manager George Graham back in the 2000 to 2001 campaign. I mean, we've had a load of questions in. On the manager, and I think it's only fair to reflect to some of them which have been sent in. This is from Zug Zug at Zug Zug Gaming, who says, "What would it take for Pochettino to be brave and decide to drop the players who don't have their hearts in playing for us, like he did with his first season squad in charge of the club?" Yeah, I think he should start dropping those players. He should be ruthless as he was to the likes of Cabals and everyone. Um, the way. Alderweireld played against Watford was absolutely atrocious and then dropping him and not having him and Eriksen in the side against Red Star, for example, made such a massive difference. I think he should be, obviously not today because Jan was out and uh, and he doesn't want to play fourth as a centre-back and Dyer either, but he should be coming a lot more ruthless with these players who just came out and openly said that they don't want to play. So... I agree. I, I think he has to become a bit more ruthless, but he just seems a bit tired. He seems he seems fed up, maybe. I don't even know. And I don't want to say bad things because I think, you know, what he's he's done at Spurs and what he's done for us is absolutely amazing. And I can I believe he can still do it once again. You still think he's the right man paid. for the job, Anna? For you, you still believe he's the right man, he can turn this around this form. Because it, it's just he can it's do. worrying. It, it, could, it is worrying, it isn't it? It could just be like an ice bath. It could just be a massive shock to the system, as John said earlier, after the Champions League final and and how well we've done and now it's it's very painful like, and as I said it could just be like an ice bath where it's like it just hits you and then you get the benefits from it later maybe maybe it is that sort of season or maybe it's just a half a season and and maybe you know once everyone finds form and the new they, I don't know why I have so much faith in the newbies and maybe some more youngsters coming in and and that could that could bring us some hope it might be painful and and if we don't end up in Europe, definitely not Europa League, because I think if it's either Champions League or nothing, because that way, if we don't have anything, then at least we've got the whole week to always just prepare for the league. 
and the domestic cup runs that could be better for us than having to travel across the whole of Europe. But um, I think he, he definitely has it in him. It's just a question of whether he wants to, because he seemed obviously a lot more eager five years ago. And a lot has changed since then. He's obviously matured a lot. He's learnt a lot. But there's still a lot. Of, he still has a lot to prove. And, um, and I think there are a lot of players who still want to play for him. So I think it's just trying to find a balance there. So, yeah, for the time being, I'm definitely still backing him. I don't okay. want him out. I'm worried about who else comes in. I can't believe those people who want um, Mourinho to come in. That's just insane. I could never imagine Mourinho at my club. Agreed. <laughs> the only thing with Mourinho is, and again, it's probably something for, for a latter show down the line or whatever. I mean, the guy does win trophies. And I think Spurs fans' ultimate frustration really is that how close is this, is this current group to delivering trophies and how close is Maurizio Pochettino to that? But again, that's probably for another show. But John, just to focus back on some of the listener questions, Armchair Gaffer N17 says, where do you start? Spurs aren't playing like they did in previous seasons. Is Poch doing things differently or are the players' heads just not there mentally? I think a lot of it comes down to confidence. And uh, I want to touch upon again Anna's... Uh, brilliant analogy about the ice bath because there's so many bollocks that have shrunk since June the 1st <laughs> and what I mean by that is they haven't got the confidence to try anything or, or be creative like they used to and play free-flowing attacking football and really be be concentrating on nothing other than getting a result in whatever game they're playing in because at the moment it, it's I think it's fear which is holding a lot of the players back and I, I, mate, I just we're just going around in circles now just trying to find an answer Trying to find a reason why, and I just I can't give you one. It's just so frustrating at the minute. I just I just don't want us to win a game of football, especially in a away game. But I can't even remember the question. That's how pickled I am at the minute. <laughs> just on the, the manager itself, John. I mean, Anna and Dan seem fairly certain in their minds at the moment that he's going to stay. You know, at the moment, if he still wants the job, then he's going to oversee what he described himself as being a painful rebuild. They believe that the chairman will give him that time. But you know, Josh again. Josh Plum asks here, 10 points off the top four, bottom half of the table, can't see out a lead, not one away against the current Premier League side since December of last year. How long does he have left, John, in your mind? Well, like I said earlier, I just think that Levy knows he's not backed in properly and therefore will give him a bit of a free hit. The only problem is it's a bad time to be doing it when you're relying on 42,000 season ticket holders renewing again in the next summer. And, you know, people are starting to vote with their feet. We had 10,000 empty seats at the Red Star game in the Champions League. A few years ago, mate, you could have charged whatever you wanted for a Champions League game at the old ground and people would have bought tickets. The, the, he's, the trouble with now is it's such a precarious situation because you've got your sort of... I think Levy's kind of swinging between appeasing the fans and appeasing the, the, the employees of the club. And I just think that you can't say, oh, a manager can stay as long as he wants to stay. It doesn't work like that. As much as I don't want Pochettino to leave, because I do truly believe he'll turn it round, in this modern day, you know you know what the Premier League's like. Managers don't get time when things start going belly up. It only goes one way, and it's very difficult to turn it around. I, I was trying to think earlier of a manager who's had a season like this and survived, and I couldn't think of any. Not when they're managing a side who are top four regular, and then they have a start like this. I can't... I, because the, the thing is, you look at the league now, and you can't see a way where we're going to finish much higher than where we currently are. That's what worries me. Like you said, 10 points off a fourth already after 11 games. It's still a long way to go, I know that. But it's not like it's, you know, it's not like we're 10 points behind the behind fourth and we've had a resounding victory today and we look full of confidence again. Because Sheffield United next week is not going to be easy. 
No. They had a great win at the weekend, and they're going to be full of beans, and they're a really good side. Chris Wilder was there today at Goodison Park, and I can't see that he saw anything that frightened him. And this is Tottenham Hotspur against Sheffield United we're talking about. I don't so, want to worry, people. I mean, Sheffield United have not yet lost an away game in the Premier League. <laughs> oh, that is a, oh, for goodness. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to try to put the mockers on it even more. But, I mean, let's focus on the team selection by Maurizio Pochettino. And, Dan, we'll bring it back to you. I mean, as reported earlier during the day, Kane missed out due to illness while Vertonghen wasn't in the squad. Now, we're led to believe it's a slight hamstring problem. Graham Roberts has, has told me that. I mean, Davis was recalled to replace the suspended Danny Rose. Tungi and Ndombele started in midfield alongside the one-to-way Christian Eriksen. Deli Alli, Hummin Son and Lucas Moura led Spurs' attack. Luchelso, Sessegnon and Parrott were amongst the subs. It was the first time this season in which Spurs' summer signings all featured in the squad. When you saw the team lineup, Dan, what did you make of it? Um, difficult, really. I mean, I know Ericsson is the one that everyone complains about, and I was not impressed to see him play either, and not because he wants to leave, but because his form has been utterly hopeless. Um, every time I see Ori on the team sheet, I wish he wasn't. Um, I thought with Foyth back in, I thought he might have might have put him in. Um, and I was quite excited to see Lucas Moura start, actually, because I've, I've been saying for a few weeks, I said he's, he's not getting anywhere near as much game time as I thought he would, but... I mean, after 90 minutes, you sort of realise why. I think he was just pretty placid, didn't really do a lot. I said before the game, actually, as well, is that Deli Ali. I was really a bit disappointed to see him play because I thought his form has been pretty much as bad as Ericsson's has for most of this year. However, luckily, he proved me wrong. Just on that selection, again, loads of questions in, Anna, and I'll come round to you. This one is from vibranium mind who says why does Ericsson continue to be selected why do we not play a 4-2-3-1 when it is obviously the best formation for our squad and tactics why does Pochettino not stick with a set lineup formation and tactics it's almost like we're changing continuously game by game is that fair yeah, I think that's a very fair comment, actually. We do we have changed our formation. We went from that dreadful diamond to, to anything and like tried to back five again. That's also not working anymore. So we've tried so many things and we've mixed around with players as well so many times now that I think they're also confused as well because it's not like they can settle a rhythm and if they have a bad game, then they can make it right the next time round because they don't know what kind of position they'll be playing in. I mean, it, it, at times it seemed like um, Ericsson was our striker today when he's meant to be behind the the attacking line and um and yeah and I also I was excited to see Lucas start and I think as sad as it is that Son got the red card maybe that could be a silver lining is that Lucas will play more because he can be very electric and maybe he's just not been given enough chances lately but uh but with the service the way it was today he he did seem rather quiet and maybe he wasn't strong enough to hold up the ball and turn players and run past them which is what he's very good at and then Ericsson was just, yeah, his form's gone down the window. Like, he doesn't look confident. He's obviously never been a very strong player to tackle and to take the ball off someone. So he likes when he's got space and he's got time to think about it, which isn't really nowadays in football. You've got very compact games. And obviously, when we play at home, the teams who we play against, they won't allow us to play that much football. And Everton were very defensive today as well. So... Yeah, going back to the formation and, and the question, I think it is hard that it seems like Posh doesn't recognise what's our best team and all the formation. And it's just hard to find a rhythm with that. 
Mm. Just on Ericsson's match for Tottenham Hotspur in general against Everton, take-ons attempted zero, chances created zero, shots attempted zero, interception zero. John, you can see where I'm going with this. Tackles made zero, yellow cards one, possession lost 16 times. Again, Raz, Ryan... Wilson, 1497, says, how can you justify giving Ericsson 102 <laughs> minutes the way he was playing? Do you know what? It's funny because about 20 minutes into the game, I, turned, I said to my oldest son, I said, he's gonna, he'll play 90 minutes today because he was that bad. I, just, I don't understand it because the only thing I can think of with Ericsson is that the club have, uh, are trying to give him every opportunity to turn it around so they can command a higher fee for him in January because... Other than that, I can't see any sense in playing him. I just can't. God, if anything, John, the way he's playing, he's losing value, isn't he? Well, he is. And that's the trouble because what will end up happening is he'll have a, you know, hopefully Lo Celso comes good and, he's, and he finally starts to get some game time now. And Ericsson doesn't play. Therefore, will there be interest in January? Possibly not. And then he leaves for free. But at the minute, it's all about, the, it's, it's probably more important to the club to try and, like, just forget about Ericsson and think, right, the amount of money we're going to lose not being in the Champions League next season, which looks like that's what's going to happen, then you know it's going to. We need to offset that in some other way, and I don't know how they would do it. But the trouble is, we've got players who are rolling down their contracts who are, who are probably three of our most important players over the last five to seven years, and you can't not play both the Belgians out, in my opinion, because it's then you're relying on. Boyf and Sanchez who are good players, but then there's no backup to them, so you need to keep them involved. But with Ericsson, I don't think you do. I really don't think you do. Because if Kane's there, <clears throat> hopefully he'll be back in, in midweek after whatever illness this is he's got, or at the weekend at least. You've got enough players to play behind him there in Son and Delhi and Lucas and Lamella hopefully comes back soon. And look, you add Lacelso to that, play him as a 10 and see what he can do. Because that's where that's where I think he'll do the most damage and he'll be a good player for us. But I just I don't understand it, Ericsson. It's turning to such a conundrum because he's ruining the legacy that he would have had if he say the left in the summer and we'd have got a big bid for him and he'd have gone and we would have all, you know maybe not everyone, but I, I personally would have been like fair play, you've given us a long time, you know, good luck for the future. But it's just tarnishing that now. Because with every game he plays, he just looks like he doesn't give a toss. And that's you can't accept that as a football fan. It doesn't matter who your club is, what player it is whether they've been there one year, seven years, whatever. If someone's not put, if someone's returning those kind of numbers, then obviously they're, they're not, they're not playing. They don't care, do they? And he doesn't, he, he plays like, he couldn't give a shit at the minute. I would drop him. I would drop him permanently, probably, because whoever comes in can't do any worse, can they? OK, I mean, on Ericsson, again, we've had loads of questions in and it's not, I mean, you say it's not often in football that stats actually mirror the performances, but you'd have to say of Ericsson, it is at the moment. And, you know, Dan, cut the questions here, I'll read them both out. Nick Titmus says, why continue to play Ericsson when he's contributing nothing to the team? Surely we should be building up experience and game time with the players that want to play for the badge. Noah DeSantis says, when will Pochettino learn that Ericsson's a letdown for this team? He lost the ball the most out of any Spurs player in that first half and seems to have no care to fight back in the second. And on top of that, I think he's contributed to more yellow cards and he has goals and assists all season. I mean, Dan is there a point where you just have to stop playing him for the benefit of the, of the whole club? Um, I'm going I'm to play devil's advocate a little bit here, right? Um, I think, would Ericsson have played last week and this week had Lamella been fit? Not sure. Um, if, Kane, if Kane had been fit today, maybe he would have played Mora on the right, uh, Delhi in the middle and Son on the left. I don't know. I'm 
probably given uh, Pochettino a bit too much uh, credit for that. Um, but look, he, his form has dropped off a cliff. Um, and I think, I think not as much would be, would have been made out of it had he not said that stupid interview in June or July, whenever it was there this year. However, I don't really bother me. It doesn't bother me particularly whether he wants to be here or not, because there's probably players in there that don't want to be here and we haven't known about it. Toby Alderweireld, he hasn't wanted to be here for, or at least hasn't wanted to sign a new contract for the last couple of years. Um, but it's just his form. It's just form has just been terrible, uh, Ericsson. It doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. I mean, he did used to, for the last five, six years, however great he's been, he did always have that look of him as sort of someone who strolls around a bit and doesn't completely like look like he's always putting in effort. But he's always produced massive moments and massive goals. And that is completely, completely dried up. We are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, it's VAR drama. All amongst that game itself, we're going to be discussing Tottenham Hotspur's opener. After that Dele Alli's incident where Spurs survived a penalty shout, we then saw Hummin Song get sent off where, again, VAR was dramatically involved in that incident. And Everton fighting back late to grab a point. And we are also looking ahead to the Red Star Belgrade to come after this very short break. But I'm delighted to say, leading us into the break, we've got our very own, one of our own, Anna from Spurs XY, talking about a win for the ladies. Anna, you must have enjoyed this one, right? Yeah, it was a good win. Nice 3-0, comfortable win. Um, it was pretty much an all-Spurs win as well. So <laughs> it's a very big contrast to the men's game, unfortunately. OK, well, let's hear your thoughts. And don't go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Predominantly, the last word on Spurs panel is based in the UK. And of course, all of us support our beloved Tottenham Hotspur, which play in the Premier League, which can prove to be a problem as the Premier League rights are actually not shown here in the UK. But this season, we've discovered something very, very interesting that we want to bring to your attention. And that is being able to watch every single Premier League game for a fraction of the normal cost. And it's called Express VPN. And this is basically how it works. The BPL offers the Premier League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the US or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some of the games are blacked out. So what do you do? You can fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Buy and use the Premier League Pass from there and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, the NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router and consoles like an Amazon Fire Stick. So you can watch all the games from any device you have. Even when you're not watching Premier League football, you can still have ExpressVPN on 24-7 because it also encrypts all data, keeping it safe from the hackers. You can enjoy up to 1,230 games of the Premier League season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. You can call to action this today by using a special link to get three months free of ExpressVPN. So just simply go to expressvpn.com slash spurs, after which you can sign up for the Premier League at a huge discount. That's expressvpn.com com forward slash spurs for three months free with a one-year package don't miss out now no one wants to wait and wait and wait for that perfect phone 
Thankfully, the Tesco Mobile Black Friday event has started already. You can find loads of brilliant phone and SIM deals with low monthly prices and big savings, including time-limited weekly deals. Tesco Mobile's best ever Black Friday event is on. Go in store or search Tesco Mobile. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. Best ever Black Friday based on range of products and length of promotional period. See tescomobile.com slash terms. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. This weekend, Spurs played against Crystal Palace in, away in the Continental Tyres Cup and we made quite a few changes to the team as you would expect for a cup game. The lineup was Chloe Morgan in goal, Neville, Philby, Scalacci, Leon, Peplo, Haynes, Wynn, Addison, Graham and Ayan up front. So we started off really well. I couldn't make it to the game, so expect this report to be rather short. Uh, it was a pretty straightforward game, actually. We started off really strong and we scored in the sixth minute with a lovely header from a corner from Anna Philby. So we went 1-0 up and it pretty much sounded like the rest of the first half was all one-way traffic. It was mainly us who were creating chances. We just couldn't finish them. So we took that 1-0 lead into the half. We made no half-time substitutions and we just continued with the second half as we did in the first half. We didn't score early on, so we made a couple changes and then some of those um, substitutes actually managed to score towards the end. Uh, Kit Graham and Lucy Quinn made sure that we ended up with 3-0. Lovely clean sheet, three points again in the Continental Tires Cup, which is amazing. And... uh, and very well deserved from what I could hear. We played very well, very clinical, and it's just a pretty straightforward game. So I'm very glad, very pleased with the woman. Obviously, there's a week uh, break now. Next weekend, we're not playing. But after that, it's the massive North London derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But we'll have a whole show planned for that, so let's leave it at that. I won't say too much more about that, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Come on, you Spurs. No one wants to wait and wait and wait for that perfect phone. Thankfully, the Tesco Mobile Black Friday event has started already. You can find loads of brilliant phone and SIM deals with low monthly prices and big savings, including time-limited weekly deals. Tesco Mobile's best ever Black Friday event is on. Go in-store or search Tesco Mobile. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. Best ever Black Friday based on range of products and length of promotional period. See tescomobile.com slash terms. Hello, welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. We're going to go straight in to VAR drama because we saw Tottenham Hotspur attacker Hun Min Son absolutely mystified after going down under a challenge. But the referee and VAR were both unimpressed and waved away Spurs' penalty. John, on the first film when I saw it, I thought that Sonny went down dramatically but to me, it looked like a, a very good case of a penalty there. I mean, could you see why it could have been given or was you with the VAR and the referee that it was the right decision, no penalty on that occasion? The thing is, uh, initially, I thought the same as you did. It's just the fact that he, he flings himself. And every, all these, what it really annoys me, it's the most frustrating moving football touch and they'll flick themselves up like they've just released their parachute. So all four limbs shoot backwards and they go down like that and it makes him look like an idiot. Now, if that's the case and they're saying, right, perhaps it was a penalty, but your overreaction means that you're a div and you're not getting a penalty, then whatever. But it was a penalty. It was a penalty because he's clearly been impeded and I can't understand it. The thing is, with it, all right, let's say, let's take VAR out of it, pretend it didn't happen because the referee didn't give a penalty. It's not like it was overturned. So I wasn't too annoyed about it. 
but obviously VAR played a large part in the, the remainder of the game and those those decisions I think there's controversy over every single one because you see the one with Deli Alley with a handball and you think well that's a penalty but then I think what, what no one saw at the time was that prior to the ball hitting Deli's arm is that Mina catches Deli in the face so then that cancels out the handball and I don't know the trouble is right none of us properly know what people are looking at what angles they're getting of things because the lack of transparency has been the biggest problem in this VAR debacle so far. There needs to be more transparency to the poor buggers who have paid all that money and travelled all that way to go to the game. But, you know, someone needs to be telling them what's happening. It's just it's ruining the game, and I hate it. I hate it so much. But yeah, I would I would like to say Stonewall penalty. We should have had a penalty, but it didn't happen, so we move on. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Deli Ali's one now then, because on it, Anna, you know, VAR it took them. <laughs> You know, it seemed like hours and eternity to check that handball. All different angles. I mean, it was absurd, wasn't it? We saw Pochettino shaking his head, pacing the touchline, barely able to conceal his frustration about the delay. I mean, is the problem manager just how long it's taken to come to the verdict? And again, with that one, we're supposed very lucky. Ali has got his hand up in the air. And you're away from home. You feel like everything could go against Spurs the way it's going at the moment. Did we get away with one there with Deli Ali? I think the time it took to make that decision means that it wasn't clear and obvious, first of all. Second of all, I don't understand how long you have to look at those pixels to make sure it is or it isn't a penalty. And as John said earlier, I feel so sorry for any fans that are in stadiums that take forever to make decisions because you have no idea what's going on. And you're just sitting there being like, well, am I watching football? Am I waiting for football? Is this half time again? What's going on? Um, but regarding the decision, when I saw it first, I was like, oh, okay, it's touched his hand, so they're obviously going to give a pen. And then they took another 10 minutes to decide whether it is a penalty or not. And uh, at that point, there was a point I was just like, just just make a decision. I don't even care at this point. Just let's get on with the game. Let's get on with it. Um, I, I think we're a bit lucky. My first reaction was that, yeah, it's a pen just because, it, oh, my God, it touched his hand. On the other hand, I don't think it was deliberate from Ali. I don't think he intentionally put his hand up there to go and punch the ball. He's not a goalkeeper after all. But uh, I have seen those given. I think maybe in Europe that would have you know, would have been given. Um, I could have imagined it being given. There were some interesting decisions today anyway. But obviously, I'm very glad that it wasn't given. It's just, I think... Anything that comes away from that is not even just the actual decision. It's just everything around it, how long it took. And no one's really that sure about what was the reason it was or wasn't given in the end of the day. The the lack of clarity, like, you know, the refs aren't mic'd up. They don't go and check the VAR monitor. They don't have a say in it. They just sit there on the on the pitch with the 22 other players and just pray and hope that some decision will be made and, you know, they just wash their hands and get on with it. So, yeah, it's a weird one. But um, in the end of the day, I think we may or may not have dodged a bullet, but it definitely stirred a lot of emotions, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Dan, Gary Lineker tweeted, he's sick of AR. In its present state, it's killing the game. It's being used to referee the game rather than something in the background to correct the absolute howlers. It was always going to take its time to settle down, but they couldn't be getting it more wrong than they currently are. Can you understand where he's coming from, Dan, on that statement? Oh yeah, I was I was the biggest fan of it when I when I heard about it coming. I thought it needs to happen, um, but it's taken ten games into the season and and end of last season in the Champions League as well. That it just needs to be binned. I mean, it's as simple as that. It just needs to go. I think it's actually killing the game. I don't think football. I said the other day. I said football wasn't broken eighteen months ago. 
Um, you had the odd bad decision, and, and it's helped us out in the past. But three minutes to check whether it had hit Deli Ali's arm or not. And if uh, they, when they were pulling it back and forward um, in the space of probably about half a second of real time, you think, oh, yeah, that was his hand. That's hit his hand. But if you watch the whole incident again, Mina's climbing all over his back, claps him in the face, and he's put his hands up just as a natural reaction. And then afterwards, he's rolling around on the floor like he's been hit, which he had been hit. So it depends how you look at something. And it will affect the decision that's actually made. Um, when it went on, I thought, oh, that's going to be a pen. But... Yeah, glad it wasn't in the end. Um, and I, I think jumping back to the Son one as well is is um, at the start of the season, you'd never have got that overturned. Um, last weekend, you would have got it overturned and it would have been a penalty. Yesterday in the Watford game, there was one really, really similar where Delafeu got clipped and he wasn't going to go down, but he clipped and threw himself. That was overturned. And then this one wasn't. It's just not consistent. It's not clearing anything up. And I, I, yeah, it just needs to go. On this one with Hummin Son, who ended up getting a red card. I mean, it's fair to say, let, let's be honest about it. You know, all our thoughts go out to Andre Gomez. It was a horrific incident. But if we're being honest, Dan, you know, although it was, you know, let's not get away from it, an awful injury, it didn't seem at all like a red card offence. You know, furthermore, the referee had already booked him. But the severity of the injury shouldn't really change the original call, should it? Well, uh, yeah, for, you're right to say, yeah, poor, poor Gomez. It was a horrendous injury. But... The fact that the referee got the yellow card out to book him, which would have been a fine decision, saw uh, Gomez's ankle falling off and then changed his mind. I think oh, it seems a bit hard after what's happened and the severity of the injury, but it's actually a bit of a disgrace. You, you, you can't judge a tackle on the end result. And, and the statement from um, uh, the FA saying um, it endangered an opponent, that tackle. I mean, there is 10 of those tackles a game. Uh, just because it, it put him off balance and led to the led to the awful injury, just literally makes no sense. It, it, football's football's gone if that's a red card, in my opinion. Uh, it's a, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I mean, John again, official statement after the game was guidance is the red card for some was endangering the safety of a player, which happened as a consequence of his initial challenge. Can you see that from what you were watching, John? Uh, I, I, I can to the point where. Gomez loses his balance because of the challenge by Son and for that he deserved the yellow card probably but the fact is we'll never know whether his ankle would have busted like it has done if Aurier was there or wasn't there and I just I want I want worry that it just sets a precedent now which let's be honest is probably not going to be followed up because there'll be it'll happen again next weekend and it won't be a red card and the only thing that what bothers me the most about it is the referee has changed his mind based on the severity of the injury sustained now, I really hope Andre Gomez comes back and he's fighting fit as soon as possible. And I, I really do, because not only is he a good player, but you, you don't want to see that happen to anyone. But I just can't understand. I, I just can't get my head around it still. I know it's still quite fresh. It only happened a couple of hours ago, but I just can't get my head around what's gone on there. Because, all right, there's been a, there's been a challenge. The, the referees give a yellow card. Fair enough. If you'd have said, right, we're going to draw one all the way at Everton, I probably would have took that before the game, considering the bad run of form that we've been in, even though they, I think they've lost five of their last seven. But still, they're a good side. I know we've got a good record against them. They're, a good, they're still a good side, a big club. But the way it happened, the, all that with the, the red card and the injury bothered me more than the fact that they scored a 312th-minute equaliser or whatever it was, because I, I felt it was coming anyway. And... Yeah, I just I don't know what to say about the VAR. Someone needs to come out and fully understand it to everyone, so everyone understands what we're looking at, what we're going by, what the rules are, because that's why I think it's a bit of a shambles at the minute. 
Agree. Agree totally. Just to sum up again on that VAR then, so the PGMO after the game released the following statement. On Delielli's handball penalty incident on the 70th minute, they stated... The VAR considered that both Deli Ali and Yeri Mina were challenging for the ball in the air and Ali was under pressure from the attacker as the ball struck his hand. In his view, it was not a clear and obvious error. And then to repeat this one on Hummin Son, the 78th minute sending off, the red card was issued by the on-field referee for Son was endangering the safety of a player, which happened as a consequence of his initial challenge. I mean, I think what we can all agree on at the moment is that VAR is having too much of an impact that any of us wanted in football and it's becoming far more involved than we ever wanted it to be and we just hope that it does in the end towards the end of the season start to be more of a background focus rather than at the moment becoming a a topic of a talking point every single game every single week but one player that I think does deserve a mention is Deli Ali back on the score sheet to put Tottenham ahead Anna, I'm going to start with you. Ali, to be fair, he's come under a lot of criticism from Spurs fans recently, and you, some would say maybe it's deservedly so. But um, do we have to remember, Ali, before turning 21, he's had a hand as many goals as Lampard, Gerrard, Beckham combined, and he's now scored two goals in his last three Premier League games. He still has got that quality, Anna. Does he just need the support now from the supporters? Yeah, he definitely needs the support. He will always need it. But he's always been that player because he's got that edge to him. Some people will always love him for that edge. And some people are like, oh, why are you doing that? Stop stop being your theatrics and stop being fancy and, you know, just do the simple stuff, which I am like that as well. But I'm all, I've always been a massive Deli Ali fan and I'll always like him. And it's nice to see that he's, you know, he came out, said that he got rid of some toxic people in his life and he's focusing on his fitness. You can see that his performance is while not perfect, are getting there and he's getting on the score sheet, which is, to be honest, what we need right now, especially when Harry's out. And his celebration was quite funny today, I must say. Um, But, you know, he's making runs. He's doing a lot of stuff off the ball, which isn't always the fancy stuff. He does slow the game down a little bit sometimes, but um, those are all things that he can improve on. And I think right now we just need to encourage him and and hopefully he can become the best he he used to be and to bring that extra edge because we need that sort of spirit we can't just you know we can't have robots all the time I would like to see some character and and if it is Delhi who starts bringing it back into the team then that would be brilliant and I think he I think he had a good game today as I said it's not it's not perfect he's not amazing and outstanding and not nowhere near a man of the match performance yet but I think it's a lot more promising than it has been beforehand and he's definitely been one of our better players lately yeah and Dan it was a loose pass from the former Arsenal player Alex Zawobi which gifted us possession and Ali showed great composure to give Spurs the lead I mean he does like Goodison Park Dan generally because now he scored three Premier League goals at Goodison Park what did you think Dan of Ali's overall contribution to the game? Uh, yeah, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, I think a lot of the team were pretty slow. I think he took his goal really nicely, actually. I thought when he came inside, I was like, no, go to the line. But but he, he cut in really well and um, the defender made it quite easy for him. And it was a nice finish. Um, what I found quite interesting after the game, so I'm jumping around a bit, but um, he was asked by Sky Sports whether um, he was trying to silence his critics today. And he sort of played it off like, oh, no, no, I'm not trying to do that. And I'm not listening to what people say. Some people, probably maybe Roy King, However, you could tell that obviously with the shushing of the lips and um, with the celebration at the end, I think he he does have a point to prove. And I think he's a better player for it, um, to be honest. And, and I'm a massive Deli Ali fan. Like when I said earlier about him, um, I didn't think he was, was great to start the game. 
that isn't because I don't like him. I just think his form has been has been pretty average over the last last year. Thanks to thanks to injuries, but a good Tottenham Hotspur team um, contains Deli Ali on form, and especially when Kane's back, try and get them to link up again would um, will definitely push us up the table. I'd I'd hope. Yeah, I mean, John, I've been always one of Delhi's firm believers that for me you have to let him. For me, you have to let him play his way back into form. Is that how you see it as well, John, with Deli Ali? Deli's always been, well, he still is one of our most important players for me. I think you get him fit and fire him, there ain't many better. I think if you consider that, you know, he was given a, was it a six-year contract about a year ago? So the club obviously has a lot of faith in him and hopefully they still do because, you know, what is he, 23? You know, he's still got his best years well in front of him and he's, he's been superb for us on the whole so far since he come in. He's one of them players where we didn't, I don't know, we don't don't think we expected too much of him. You know, coming from MK Dons, League One, five million. But yeah, he's turned into one of probably one of the best value for value for money signings we've probably ever made in the especially in the Premier League era. And for me, I think he's one of them players where you what you want to do with him, hopefully, is keep him for a long, long time. And so therefore you play him because even today, all right, he didn't have the best of games, but you know he's got that moment of quality where he had that chance. He, you know, he weaved his way through and smashed it in, and it was a lovely goal. It was a good finish, and he's got it in his locker. He just needs consistency, and he'll only get that by playing. So for me, if he's fit, he plays every single game. I've I've been a massive fan of his from day one, and I I still think he's 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 a very, he'll be very difficult to uh, to replace if and when he does go. I think he's quality. I'd definitely keep him in there. He's one of the players that um, Pochettino's talking about with the rebuild. He'll 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 be centre of that, won't he? You'd hope so. But, I mean, yeah, you, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so. He's still for me a, a top player. And I think, like you guys said, on his, on his day, he can be a really special player. And he's, he's a he always scores in big games. I think of Ali more than a lot of those players. It's confidence. He's such a confidence player, and I think you have to keep playing him to get back into form. But Dan, coming round to you, it wasn't meant to be. We held out for quite a considerable amount of time up until the 97th minute. The Toffees found their leveller, sank toss and charged into the box and head into the bottom corner. And what looked like was going to be a snatch and grab, Dan, became absolute despair. As I say, that bottom corner he found to nod in Everton's equaliser. And although, Dan, you wouldn't have sat there and said, you know, it's a great performance. To have got the win under any circumstances, you would have taken it. And again, that's another big blow to the players, isn't it? To concede, you know, in those final minutes of stoppage time, that's going to really hurt us, isn't it? Do you not think? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think there wasn't a lot of Tottenham fans that I think, uh, after the song Red Card, who thought, oh yeah, we're going to hold out here, especially with 12 minutes of injury time. Mm. Um, so when it happened, I was almost sort of resigned to it already. Unfortunately, that's, that's sort of what it's become this season. I mean, I like to sometimes try and find an error in, in, in a goal we can see, but it was a pretty decent cross and uh, you can't really blame us for not holding out with 10, with, with 10 men for, for 20 odd minutes or whatever. But it is a bit of a killer blow, especially if we'd have just got over the line, like you said, 1-0, gone back to London and would have been, you know, despite the performance, happy days to get that first away win monkey off our back. But now, um, the next away game, whenever it is, I think it's after the international break, I think we go to West Ham soon. Um, oh, God. You know, yeah, exactly. And, and this, it's going to be, it's going to come up again. Pochettino is going to be asked, oh, you haven't won in 14 away games or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And it's just going to rumble on and on and on. I mean, you do get a feeling that if we aren't going to be able to win away to Everton, you do question where that away win is going to be coming from. 
after the game, Mauricio Pochettino was asked to give his verdict on the VAR and also on Hummin Son's red card. And he did suggest that the club will look at potentially appealing it. I just wonder, Dan, when we see the images after the game of just how bad, how severe that injury is to Andre Gomez, do you think Spurs stand a hope in being able to overturn that red card for Hummin Son? Uh, they should do. I think... I know I said it earlier, it was a bit of a disgrace that it was a red card, and that probably sounds horrible considering what happened. But, I mean, it's not a red card. The, the rules of the game, that is, well, unless unless I'm going completely mental, and I know they tried to defend it, that, that is not the law of the game. But that tackle is not a red card tackle. Um, will it get overturned? Probably not, because the, the FA don't like to admit when they're wrong, pretty much ever. Maybe we might have stood more of a chance uh, before VAR. If VAR hadn't looked at it already... Um, and the panel looked at it on Monday without you know, just the referee's decision. We might have a chance, but um, I just don't know anymore, to be honest. Mm. Right. What we're going to do, we're going to look ahead to Tottenham Hotspur's reverse Champions League fixture to come against Red Star Belgrade. Now, it is worth mentioning, as we're talking Champions League, that Bayern Munich have just parted company with their manager, Nico Kovac. Spurs will be playing Bayern Munich in the reverse Champions League group stage fixture on the 11th of December 2019 but you do wonder John in terms of confidence how the players are going to be feeling ahead of this one I mean question here John actually as we look ahead to that game against Red Star Belgrade this was from Stuart THFC at Stuart 1984 who says there was not much creativity against Everton a side who were also struggling like us Ericsson and Mora were terrible, offered very little. What is the best attacking combination to get service to Kane as he would have had very little to feed off ahead of that Red Star Belgrade game, which we hope Kane will be fit as we understand it is just a virus he's contracted. I think the trouble is whoever's playing up front, the people playing behind him need to get a lot closer to him a lot more often because the one thing that the one thing that we've missed massively in the last year and I'm not sure if I'm not sure it's a coincidence actually when talking about away wins is what Moussa Dembele used to be able to do with the ball would, was travel with it and there ain't many players or if any who can travel with the ball from deep and squeeze us up the pitch and I think even Kane although his goal scoring return has been good this season he's been isolated in a lot of games he's not really had a, a good game if you know what I mean he's, he's putting chances away which is what you want obviously but we saw today with Lucas, he was just so isolated. Even when, when well, as we said about Ericsson, he got into a position a couple of times to be able to put the ball through and just failed to deliver it. I think you need, in, in, a, in a team like ours, playing the way we do, you need the players to who are playing behind the striker to be on form. And if they're not, then it's really difficult to, you know, you don't know where a goal is going to come from. It happened first game of the season, really, against Aston Villa, and we got... Say we got lucky. It was a good goal by Ndombele to equalise, and then obviously the onslaught happened, and we end up winning. And I think that's the only way we're getting results at the minute. We either got to blow teams away early, so they've got to start more sluggishly than us, which is not Jesus. If that happens, the opposition must be poor at the moment. But <laughs> mate, there, there doesn't seem to be any kind of obvious conundrum answer to this conundrum, in as much as everything he's tried, everything he's tried so many different formations. He's tried as you know, the personnel that we've got, pretty much everyone's played a part all this season and nothing seems to work. I just think it's the personnel involved. It doesn't matter what you what you do or what you ask them to do. I think you've got too many players that are not interested in doing it. So for me, you need your leaders out on the pitch. Unfortunately, today we were without our captain and our, our best player, which obviously doesn't help. 
But, mate, I really don't know the answer. I just hope that Pochettino does. Big game, Anna, this one coming up for Spurs. You know, a win, you would feel that Spurs may be, I say maybe almost there in terms of qualifying for the next round of the Champions League group stage. What would you like to see different, Anna? Team selection-wise, what would you like the manager to do differently to what we're seeing at the moment for you? Yeah, it will be a massive game and it won't be easy. Let's not uh, take it lightly. I think Red Star away, they'll be really up for it. Obviously, they managed to sneak some fans in uh, for our game, but they'll be really up for it. So I don't think it'll be easy at all. We definitely need to make some changes to the lineup. Obviously, if Harry's back, there'll be a massive bonus. But as um, as mentioned earlier, he's he's obviously really isolated. What he's had to do lately, unfortunately, is to drop really deep and, and pick up... Um, a bit more of a number nine role. And sadly, he's obviously not able to pass to himself from that role. But uh, yeah, if we could, uh, I guess Winks will get a game. Maybe he can start to drive the ball through the midfield and be a lot more box to box. That could help. Um, maybe, obviously, Son will play because he's obviously got a ban um, hum- unless it gets overturned, fingers crossed, but we'll see. Uh, so he could really be fired up for that and try to prove a point. Uh, as long as he stays close to, to Kane and, and tries to feed off him or do quick one-twos, it's just uh, Danny Rose will obviously play, so he could do on the left. I don't know who's going to play on the right. Is that obvious for you, Anna? Do you think he will obviously come back into that team for you? Ben Davies hasn't done enough for him to keep the spot, or do you just think because oh, of no, the turnaround? I, I, I think Davies did very well, but I think Poch loves to rotate his fullback. So, as we um, know, yeah. <laughs> exactly, so it's more of a... More of a case of how I think Poch will do rather than what I think he should do. Fire, that's the fireworks oh. in the background here. Just ignore, sorry. Well, we can we can stop for a, we can stop for a second. Anna, you can carry on. I think they're gonna. I, mean, I haven't got control over them out here in Ali Pally. So whenever whenever you're ready, you can carry. <laughs> I will make a reference to that at the end of the <laughs> Just to be very clear, what we're laughing about here. I'm basing around Ali Pally, so all you can hear is fireworks going off in the background. People think that the Spurs players are being shot after that display today. I mean, not to joke aside, no, no one has been shot. It is just fireworks in the background. Anna, please carry on your point if you wish. Okay. Well, anyway, but yeah, so I think I think Danny will come back. As I said, he likes to rotate his fullback, so I don't know who's going to play at right back. Maybe Carl Peters, maybe Foyth, maybe let me, Soko. Let me ask you, Anna, on, on the right back situation, because I've been told to ask this question. Dave at Dave John King wants me to say on the back of that display for Aurea against Everton, when are yeah. people going to give Aurea credit for a decent performance? It's just like the unwarranted sticks that Soko used to get when he started to get a run of games. People judging on past mistakes, past performances. Is that fair? It's an interesting point of view. Uh, I think today he wasn't um, maybe as bad as previously because he wasn't sent off for the starters. But that being said, he's just so reckless. He's got that liability about him. I think the only positive is he does have a decent cross in him when he tries, but he doesn't always deliver. It's not like he cancels the mistakes out with positives. He's just like, oh, sometimes I'll produce something good but more often than not I'll either make a clumsy tackle or just not track my my player or something like that um so no I think uh, the thing is with that you'd have to play him a lot for him to improve but I just feel like sometimes his his judgment on timing and and tackles as well he just goes in so viciously and if he doesn't get the ball then it's like oh my god what's going to happen there 
So I don't know. Aurea is an interesting one for me. I was excited when we signed him at the beginning because finally we've got a right back, an exciting one, a pacey one. But now I just feel like he's a bit too reckless and it's too much of a liability, really. Dan, I know it's a topic we've discussed often on this show. How much is it a concern for you, the decline of the fullback options we've got at the club? I mean, it seems even when I'm looking in when Carl Walker left, we haven't really ever been able to recover that area of the squad, have we? Um, no, I think I think Aurea. Uh, back to your the the the, the person's point was, uh, you know, he didn't do anything wrong today. But there's some things when you watch him when where he goes rushing out to sort of engage with the the left winger or just play a one two round him and he's well out of position. It's it's not just his tackling. It's not just his ability to throw uh, throw. It's hard to say. Throw fr- throw three foul throws in one game a couple of years ago and give away penalties. Um, it's just a constant mistake in him at any time. And I think he's bang lucky that he's getting a game for us because we've got literally no other options. I think Carl Walker-Peters must have done something to Pochettino because Pochettino just clearly just does not does not rate him. I think we need to sell him because I think we're probably hindering his career. Um, the fact that he even thought about playing Sizoko at right back um, says how worried he is about that position. And uh, to be honest, I'm surprised Aurea hasn't been canned already. I think um, talking about um, Belgrade on Wednesday, Wednesday or Tuesday, um, I think Foyth might come into that game. And I think it might be time, even if Aurea didn't do anything wrong today, to start trying to blood Foyth and to see if he has got it in him to play right back. Because he's done it for Argentina. Um, he's not Kyle Walker. He never will be. Danny Rose isn't going to be Danny Rose of three years ago either. And I think he's a massive position. That, the the... The falling grace those right back and left backs have had in the last three years in positions for us, and the loss of Moussa Dembele, I think, is one of the biggest factors in what we're seeing now. Um, the lack of form and the lack of press, um, the completely ridiculous sh- shape changes that we seem to do every game. Um, I think that's the first thing that this rebuild needs to need to start looking at. Mm. I agree with you on that. I think you can't get away from the fact how big a loss Moussa Dembele has been to this football club in terms of the identity and the way he used to retain the ball and bring Tottenham forward. We're definitely missing the the prime Moussa Dembele. I'm not going to sit here and say that having him now in the, the current status he was towards the end of his Spurs reign, I don't think he would have been the same player, but we are missing that kind of a player and we hope Undembele is going to become that player even more. I mean, John... On this Belgrade game to kind of summarise and finish up, this is a massive game you feel from Richard Pochettino and these players because of our away form. Have Tottenham got the ability to go there and get a result? And you feel if we could get an away result there, John, does that give us some hope for the rest of the Premier League in terms of getting an away result? Because we didn't get a result against Colchester in the Cup. Obviously, we drew that. We went out on penalties. We haven't yet won away in the Champions League. Haven't yet won away in the Premier League. Is this game pivotal to trying to crack this away curse at the moment? I think it is because it would then take a lot of pressure off the remaining Champions League games as well because you'd like to think that if we get a result um, in Belgrade then beat Olympiacos at home and, and it's done, we're through. So it's kind of like, yeah, it would get that monkey off our backs in terms of, a, of an away win and hopefully, you, you know, we'd go and back it up with a good result against Sheffield United at home on Saturday. But, it's just it doesn't matter who it is who it's against what competition it's in we just need to start winning games it's as simple as that because it's the only way that any kind of confidence is going to come you know flooding back into the players that's that's what's needed I, I think what I would say about the the game in midweek is a lot of the travelling fans obviously haven't lost faith in Pochettino because you know 
two minutes into the game today, they're singing his magic, you know. And I just hope that if it does turn, it doesn't turn out there and that all the fans come back safely because, you know, it could be a bit of a you know, nasty place to end up in Serbia. You're not, you don't know where you are. <laughs> I hope everyone comes back fine. And I just hope that the team come back in a confident mood and with, with three more Champions League points because, as I say, it, it doesn't matter what competition it's in at the minute. We desperate, desperately need to start winning games. And I think that if you're then going to, to Munich the same way we went to Barcelona last year in the last game of the group, you know, with needing a point or three points or whatever, then it's, it's almost impossible. So we need to take the pressure off us in Europe and, you know, keep us in Europe after Christmas because, like I say, it looks like we won't have any European football next season at the minute. So a massive game, massive, massive game. Mm. I think also that point of Bayern Munich, they may have that new manager bounce. So even more so, we do need to get that result against Red Star Belgrade in the upcoming game. Well, coming in, it's time for predictions. John, we'll stick with you. What are you going to give us, John? I'm going to go with a, a very nervy 2-1 away win because I can't see it being anything like it was at home. I know Red Star don't travel very well at all, but they're, they're pretty tasty at home. So I'm going to back us to win because I always do. Okay. So 2-1. 2-1 Spurs win. John believes we are going to get our first away win in all competitions of the season against Red Star Belgrade. Anna, are you following trend? I don't know. I got a bit nervous <laughs> now that you said all, the, all that away stuff. I was going to think that I think it's going to be tight. I, I definitely see it being a lot harder than it was at home. Uh, I only see one goal in it. I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. Um, I'm debating between a 1 or and a 2-1 myself, but we need form. We need we need to bounce back, and maybe maybe a European trip is exactly what we need to get away from from the domestic uh, misery. So yeah, let's go with the two one. A two one from Anna. We're so far a full house across the ball. Dan, are you gonna follow or are you gonna you know, bring us I'm down gonna, to reality here? <laughs> I'm gonna be really positive actually. Uh, the, the home game. I know they don't travel well, as John said, but their shape and the amount of space they gave us away from home. Uh, I expect that will probably continue at home because they won't want to sit back. And they were hopeless. I mean, I think they were one of the worst teams I've seen us play in oh, quite a while. So I, I think if Kane's back, I reckon we might win 2 or 3 nil. OK. I can't believe that. I mean, I'm also going to go for a 2-1 away win. I can't believe for all the crisis we're in, all of us are going with Tottenham away wins. Is it really that bad at the moment, Dan? It is, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it were, yeah, yeah, it's bad. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying two or three nil because we're quite good. I just don't mm. think they're very good, even, even at their homes, even at the home stadium. They've, they've got all their fans there this time, have they? Well, as far I think we're led to believe they are. I mean, can it be a spring ball, Dan? I think that's maybe a question we should ask. A win there, does that give us some kind of optimism for the rest of the domestic season? Um, domestically, I mean, maybe it could do. I mean, uh, John's point about it. it it, and basically saying we need to beat Olympic Arcos at home if we beat uh, if we win in Belgrade this week. Um, the pressure will definitely be off in the Champions League because, like I say, going to Barcelona like we did last, going to Bayern like we did last year, Barcelona wouldn't be an easy task. Although Bayern aren't in the best form, are they? At the moment, apart from thrashing us seven-two, but yeah, I, I mean, it'd be good to just get that one-away win. Um, like I said earlier, I think just just get that off our backs. Um, it's not in the Premier League and it's not against a massive quality opposition, but I think that should give us a bit of confidence. OK, fingers crossed. Listen, it's gone on longer than what we anticipated it to. Dan, thank you so much for joining us for this hour and a bit of therapy. We do sincerely feel, appreciate it, Dan. I feel a lot better already. Thanks do you? Thank you so much. You're a star. We'll have you back on soon. Anna, 
one of our own regular, the last one on Spurs Women's Content Creator. Thank you for coming on for an hour and a bit and giving us all your opinions on Tottenham. Oh, thank you so much. This was much needed. I feel a lot better and I'll be able to go to bed and leave this weekend behind on a much happier note. Bless you. And it's worth saying, Anna, you're joining us in the next couple of weeks on Love Sport to preview a huge game for the Tottenham Hotspur ladies, aren't you? Oh, yes. I am so excited for that. Well, we're looking forward to having you. And John, thank you as always. Keep the faith, John. Can we try to attempt? Oh, Give us a rousing speech, John. Come on, we need something for you to leave us on say hi, John. Come on, you've always got something up your sleeve. Have you got anything to give us? I always, I always say I'm, I'm Tottenham from the cradle to the grave, and I think that, especially for me, you know, I'm, I've got three children who all who followed, followed in my Tottenham Hotspur supporting footsteps, and I feel guilty every time. You horrendous bad, John. What have you done to those kids? I know, but then then I think, should I have the ump with me or should I give my mum a, a barrage down the phone? To be fair, I should blame my dad for this. I mean, I, I really, he named me Ricky after Ricky Villa. Look what he's done to me. You know, I can't, I can't even get away from the club the way it's going. No, I did, I tell you what I did want to say to Dan and to Anna. Keep it up. You're 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 really really good at what you do, both of you. And I know you you create a lot of really good content that a lot of people like to see in there. Anna, with your oh bless you, <laughs> as it's as it's getting you know, it's brilliant that it's getting more popular and it, you know a lot of people's eyes who weren't open to it before perhaps now are and it's good to have someone like who goes to the games and he, he gives reports and these these players who are donning the lily white shirt are sort of coming to life amongst the fan base who previously they wouldn't know names who and now we do and it's thanks to people like you and and to Dan. Like some of your montage videos, mate, you have me in tears a lot. Of oh, time. I love them. So I, think, I think I'll be crying by the end of this one, Dan, the one you're yeah, going to create. Mate, yeah. Oh, my God. We've got you, we've got Amazon or nothing. I don't think I can keep up, Dan, with what's going to happen at the end of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how good the end of this year one's going to be. Blimey. <laughs> I love the way, Dan, you said, when, by the time we win something, you will stop creating them. Is that right? Oh, no. I'll be here forever, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> Blimey, oh. Dan will be 87 and he's still doing the compilations, <laughs> putting them out on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, God, for anything, for a trophy. I ain't worried about winning a cup. Just win me three points. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the way to leave it. Guys, thank you so much. And I think, as you always know, we always try and make the shows positive. But, my God, they are testing. Keep the faith. We are back this week on Love Sport Radio reviewing Tottenham Hotspur playing Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League. Hopefully discussing a win. We've got a big patron show also with John from Lily White Rose also to come. If you want to check out our patron content, www.patreon.com forward slash last word on Spurs. Thank you always for your tremendous support. And as always, come on you Spurs. Come on! No one wants to wait and wait and wait for that perfect phone. Thankfully, the Tesco Mobile Black Friday event has started already. 
You can find loads of brilliant phone and SIM deals with low monthly prices and big savings, including time-limited weekly deals. Tesco Mobile's best ever Black Friday event is on. Go in-store or search Tesco Mobile. Tesco Mobile. Every little helps. Best ever Black Friday based on range of products and length of promotional period. See tescomobile.com slash terms. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.